Hi there, I'm Nicolette Reed, and this is EIB Export News. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Today we're going to be discussing a recent set of rule changes that the Department of Commerce's Bureau of Industry and Security enacted in December to the EAR. These three rule changes are intended to ease some of the restrictions that we have on certain ally groups for specific technologies. So stay tuned. These new BIS rules were created in order to foster easier and more beneficial economic relationships with some of our close allies. When speaking of the rule changes and their purpose, Secretary of Commerce for BIS Alan Estevez said that these rules will more accurately reflect the current national security and foreign policy posture of the United States government. And Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Export Administration Thea D. Rosman Kendler said of them, they reflect the deep trust and close export control coordination that the United States has fostered with allies and partners for years. Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine prompted several wide-sweeping reactions from the Commerce Department, as anyone who is listening to our podcast surely knows. These recent rule changes are a response to feedback the Commerce Department has received during the course of trade with our partners as we moved towards new trade relationships. In particular, these changes were designed to ease several categories of export licensing requirements and expand the availability of export license exceptions for key allied and partner countries, as well as for members of certain multilateral export control regimes. Before we get into the rule changes, I want to briefly outline the multilateral export control regimes just mentioned, because they are closely linked with the new rules, and you can find references to these regimes in the EAR and the ITAR. The United States is part of four primary multilateral export control regimes. The regimes consist of key suppliers of various items and are as follows. The Wassenaar Arrangement, which is focused on conventional arms and dual-use goods. The Nuclear Suppliers Group, NSG, which is focused on nuclear weapons. The Australia Group, AG, that was created with a focus on export controls on chemical weapons, precursor chemicals, and biological weapons. And finally, the Missile Technology Control Regime, MTCR, that is focused on limiting the proliferation of missiles, especially those capable of delivering weapons of mass destruction. The new rules created by the BIS directly tie to those four export control regimes and our fellow partners with them, as we hope to foster easier and more productive trade with our allies while maintaining strict limitations on restricted countries. Now let's get into the new rules. So let's go over the first rule. BIS summarizes the first rule as follows. The first rule changes licensing requirements for certain Australia Group AG-controlled pathogens and toxins and their related technologies, so that no license is required to AG countries unless the item is also subject to chemical weapons convention controls. It also removes crime control licensing requirements for Australia, Finland, Ireland, Liechtenstein, South Korea, Sweden, and Switzerland. These countries are in the Global Export Controls Coalition, GECC, countries listed in Supplement 3 to Part 746 of the Export Administration Regulations EAR and maintain a commitment to protecting human rights. 
So as I said earlier, the AG, or Australia Group, is the multilateral export control regime that the United States is part of that focuses on controlling chemical and biological items in commerce to ensure the stemming of chemical and biological weapons proliferation. The AG has 43 members, including the United States. Previously, licenses to sell certain controlled pathogens and toxins would most likely have required licenses, as CB controls are applied to their entries regardless of if a country was a member of AG or not. That has now been changed with the rule change. The reason for this is clearly stated in the rule change itself. BIS is amending the EAR in recognition of the fact that each of the AG member countries has an effective export control system capable of regulating dual-use exports in a manner consistent with U.S. national security, foreign policy, and non-proliferation objectives. Basically, we recognize that our allies in the AG member countries have behaved responsibly with these products and therefore we feel comfortable removing restrictions in order to further grow our relationships with these member countries. The same is true for previously mentioned countries that had crime control CC applied to them. With this rule, certain specified items will no longer require a license for export to Australia, Finland, Ireland, Liechtenstein, South Korea, Sweden, and Switzerland. So overall, what does this rule mean and does it apply to you? Depending on your industry, it might. What we're seeing with these rule changes is a lightening of the restrictions placed for certain products that are intended for our allies. The rule explanations even label it as a quote, liberalization of these categories. By removing these restrictions, we free up trade opportunities with some of our allies, allowing us to facilitate exports and re-exports involving allies like the AG countries by allowing BIS to apply its resources toward reviewing and monitoring more sensitive exports and higher risk transactions. So if you work in fields that deal with exporting pathogens and toxins, you might find trade with some of your allies less restrictive. If you work in these types of fields, I urge you to check if your buyers are member of AG countries, as it might behoove you to further engage with them. Just remember, this is not for all products and not for all countries. Do your diligence and check the new rules to see if they apply to your controlled products and if you are shipping to these newly graced countries. Now let's go over rule two. BIS summarizes the second rule as follows. The second rule expands license exception eligibility to additional countries for certain missile technology items, excluding any countries of concern for missile technology reasons or that are subject to a U.S. arms embargo, i.e. countries specified in country groups D4 or D5. For example, certain components used in or for the production of civil manned aircraft will now be eligible for an EAR license exception to countries that are both country group A2 and the GECC. The second rule also updates list-based controls to align with recent missile technology control regime MTCR control list changes. The second rule deals less with changing licensing requirements and instead focuses more on expanding license exception eligibility for certain missile technology items. The rule makes sure to specify that, of course, countries of concern or countries that are on the U.S. arms embargo list are excluded from these new exemptions, although I doubt any of us would imagine otherwise. Where Rule 1 dealt with AG countries, this rule is heavily involved with one of the other export regimes I previously mentioned, the MTCR, which has 35 member nations. 
In the interest of limiting proliferation of weapons of mass destruction, the MTCR establishes a common list of controlled items, the Annex, and a common export control policy, the Guidelines, that member countries implement in accordance with their national export controls. By managing exports of goods and tech for missile technology, they can assert a level of control over the dangerous line of technology. This new rule change reflects agreed-upon changes made by the MTCR in 2018, 2019, and 2021. Unlike the first rule change, which was centered around the EAR, this rule change also has ramifications for the ITAR and USML as well. The new rule is designed to function just as the other rules. By expanding license exceptions, we free up different levels of trade, easing the burden on exporters and allowing for BIS to focus its license reviews on more difficult transactions. As I mentioned, this rule change also includes a change to the ITAR as well. While only a small change, it still illustrates the specifics required when dealing with missile technology, as missile technology is heavily involved in the ITAR and not just the EAR. The rule change corrects a citation in the ITAR regarding ferrocene derivatives controlled under Category 5F4 in Paragraph 2 of the Related Controls Paragraph of the List of Items Controlled section. That most likely means nothing to you listening, but remember that the rule change can be wide-reaching, depending on the technology. Easing the restrictions on license exemptions in the EAR caused a ripple effect all the way down to an ITAR citation, because the subject matter was missile technology. Make sure to keep track of changes in your industry and how it affects the regulations you deal with in your business. Now let's go over Rule 3. BIS summarizes the final rule as follows. The third rule seeks public comment on ways to facilitate use of license exception strategic trade authorization, STA, including by clarifying which items are eligible for STA to certain destinations and proposing a number of changes intended to increase the usage of STA and reduce the burden on exporters, re-exporters, and transfers, while at the same time still ensuring that U.S. national security and foreign policy interests are protected for items under STA. For example, the rule proposes to allow national security NS-only reason for control items received under STA to be re-exported between or among countries that are in both A5 and the GECC with authorization from the competent authorities of those countries under license exception additional permissive re-exports, APR. This final rule has not been enacted yet, unlike the previous two rules, which already went into effect on December 8th. This final rule is actually a proposed rule that is currently still open to public comment. And if you would like to, you can go to regulations.gov in order to comment. The purpose of this intended rule is the same as the previous two rules. By easing the restrictions on license exceptions, we can open up more productive trade with certain allied countries. In order to do that, the rule proposes changes that would one, clarify the license exception STA is not a list-based license exception, two, add text to make it more explicit that the license exception STA is eligible for deemed export and deemed re-exports, three, exclude deemed exports and deemed re-exports from the requirement to have been listed on an approved license or other approval for 600 series technology, 
Four, adopt a similar and consistent approach to identify ECCNs eligible for license exception STA. And five, remove the limitation on the use of license exception APR for re-exports between and among certain partner and ally countries to reflect their close coordination with the United States on export controls. If you haven't listened to our previous podcast episode on deemed exports, I advise that you do so because these rule changes are a big factor in this new rule change and could potentially free up multitudes of transactions that include licenses for deemed exports. Briefly speaking, deemed exports can consist of anything from presentations to emails containing blueprints for controlled technology or even conversations with a foreign national. Depending on the controlled technology being discussed or reviewed in these instances, a license would be required by that U.S. person in order to not violate export compliance laws when sharing that information with a foreign national. With the new rule changes that proposes STA license exception availability for deemed exports, this could widely liberalize communication between our friendly countries that would have otherwise been hindered by license requirements. The potential benefits of such a rule are hard to quantify due to how far-reaching they could be. This final proposed rule is, to me, the most impactful of the bunch. It takes a serious look at license exception STAs and proposes changes that would make them wide-reaching, simpler to apply, and more beneficial to our allies. Remember that these rule changes are not across the board, however. Please make sure to go check for yourself the country list that these rules apply to and see if you can benefit your business at all. For example, the third rule summary specifically brings up A5 countries and GECC countries, both of which contain closely allied countries. That is the focus of these rules, however, to build more productive relationships with allies in these turbulent times. In the background of the third rule, the writers hearken back to the statement given by President Biden in 2021, where in general he states that America's alliances are some of our greatest assets and that leading with diplomacy means standing shoulder to shoulder and working closely with our allies and key partners, thereby protecting the world against nefarious actors. I think you can see that view of foreign policy clearly in these rule changes. For us on the ground level of trade, however, We cannot allow ourselves to fall complacent. These rules seek to free up trade with our allies, but export compliance will always be about guarding against the nefarious actors President Biden mentioned. So please take advantage of the benefits these new rules provide by staying educated and vigilant and compliant all at the same time. You can reach us on the web at www.eib.com or give us a call at 978-256-0438. We're here to help with a multitude of export compliance needs, training, and support. Thank you, and have a great day. My name is Nicolette. I'm from EIB. I was your host. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next month, but until then, remember, export compliance, it's the law. We make it simple.